let's see. So we are good. And we'll probably have some others um, join a call in a few okay. minutes, typically how it, how it goes. Make sure I got everything. Okay, that's recording. That is there. All right, everyone. So this week we are talking about cultivating a digital culture with podcasting. Uh, this week, our guest is Bill Kirst. He is a, a change management leader at uh, West Monroe Partners. Uh, and he's also a podcast enthusiast. So Bill, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to, uh, to be with us today. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate you uh, inviting me and it's an honor to be here and uh, interact with the community. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, um, so Bill, tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. Um, well, as you mentioned, uh, I'm a senior manager at West Monroe Partners. Um, I'll do a little bit of a plug for West Monroe Partners. We actually yeah. just um, just won a pretty big award. We were actually uh, got the number one uh, best places to work in pro professional um, services and consulting by Forbes awesome. in our size. So we're just about a, just over about a thousand people uh, headquartered in Chicago. I'm actually here in Seattle. Uh, so I'm on our West Coast, and I lead our change management practice uh, here on the West Coast uh, in Seattle. So oversee Seattle, San Francisco, and Los Angeles mainly, but support all our clients uh, across the nation. Awesome. Um, been at West Monroe about three and a half years um, and came to West Monroe to help start that practice for us on the West Coast. Uh, prior to that, I was at the University of Washington uh, for just under a year. Before that, I was at uh, IBM for about eight and a half years. And before that, I was at Bearing Point for a couple of years. Um, I've pretty much always done change management over the course of my career, as we talked about before, Brian. But it wasn't always called change management. It had a couple different names over, <laughs> yeah. the, over the eras. I like to say the epochs or eras of, uh, of change. Um, but yeah, it's pretty crazy to think I'm, I'm pressing up to the closer to the, the 20 years of doing this stuff. Um, I was also in the Army for 12 years. I know we have that, uh, yeah, that background yeah. in common as well. Um, and I know we'll be talking about the podcast stuff uh, yeah, pretty shortly, but I thought I would share the, the sort of Army and the podcast history here. Podcasts were actually started um, kind of on a mass, uh, a mass scale about 2004, 2005. I think 2005 is when Apple made their update to iTunes uh, and the podcast got added. Yeah. And it was June 2005 when I discovered podcasts, and I was actually at Fort Gordon uh, in Augusta, Georgia. I was a signal officer basic course, I and I came home from all my classes, and yeah. I said, what's this thing? Um, and I was very excited to discover it, uh, and, it's, and I've been a, a fan ever since. So that's a little, little bit about my background. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so, so, Bill, um, I have to ask, as you were talking, I was thinking about change management before you know, for 2019. Um, in, in your experience, what, what was it called? Like, how did that? Yeah. Did it even have? Um, a, I remember like the, um, what, the 90s, you saw a lot of consulting firms trying to operationalize a lot of the theories. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, um, it started off as, as a lot of communication. You know, maybe we didn't call it enterprise communications. We called it organization-wide communication. Then I feel like it gravitated into a little bit of business transformation. That kind of became the, the term du jour. Then it went um, back to kind of a, a, a change management um, aspect, and then it kind of grew to enterprise change management. So, so I think the name changes depending on the challenge that people are trying to, um, 
you know, face, and then also the complexity and size of the organization. Um, my early days of change management were supporting the public sector. So if you think of federal, civilian, and military, yep. and both of those, both of those organizations are some of the largest, uh, largest in the world, and um, may not be a surprise to many listening or watching. The word change is not a word they like very much in the Pentagon <laughs> or some of the other um, federal agencies. So we had to get creative about what we called it uh, in order to get the work done. And that's a commonality, I think, in this field is I tell people, I'm like, you can call it adoption. You can call it employee engagement. You can call it desired outcomes. I don't really care what you call it as long as you let me help your people um, reach their true potential. Absolutely. A absolutely. So, so diving, diving into the, the digital culture, um, I, I think sure. at the root of it, it's, it's a way of communicating, right? And, and so today, um, inside of many organizations, we have, you know, corporate communications, which is a department that's kind of solely responsible for managing the perception of, of a company with investors, employees, and general public. Um, but like, what are some challenges, at, in, in, from your perspective, what are some challenges um, with, you know, today's communication in, in the workplace? You know, the biggest challenge that I see, Brian, is there's too much coming at us. And um, the pace of change that we're all facing and dealing with, both as consumers, so outside your workplace, and then when you come into your workplace, it's a deluge. I, I mean, tell me where people get uh, a, a take, can take a breath from the email onslaught or from the number of Slack notifications that are coming in or, you know, you name it, whatever tool we're trying to use, there's a lot coming at us. And so I think the biggest challenge tends to be probably the oldest challenge, which is how do we get the communications to people um, in the right way so that um, it's relevant to them, it's helpful to them, and they frankly want more of it. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I do get to do a lot of work with clients and support them through their digital transformation journeys. And these are journeys. Um, and usually it starts off with a conversation around anything but email. They, they just say to me, help us and we got to figure this out. And, and whatever the answer is, I want it to be anything but email. Yeah. And so you, you get, you have an opportunity to be creative. Um, and I think the other piece that's really a challenge, but also an opportunity is we as consumers and as citizens, we have expectations that we, we bring into work every day. So if my ability to communicate with another organization as a consumer is, is simple and it's efficient and it's effective and it's engaging, I come into work and I kind of want the same thing. I don't want it to be such a disparate experience. Like I have to snap back 20, 30, 40 years <laughs> of an experience yeah. just to find out what's going on in this organization. And so I think that's a challenge and an opportunity. And that's where I see, organizations coming coming up with things like podcasting and um you know sort of mini videos or uh micro learning modules to get to get things uh, a little more consumable and snackable and on the go and on demand that's yeah. the other piece i think we we move around a lot um, i mean especially in consulting you know that the the, the old question that we get a lot is tell us what the day and a typical day in the life of a consultant is. And it always starts with, it depends. I can start my day in a hotel at an airport at home in an office at a client site. And because of how mobile I am, I really want the stuff 
where I want it, right? With me, I want to listen to it when I want to listen yeah. to it. I want to be able to read it, take yep. action when I can. Yeah. And that's where I see a lot of the digital disruption from our consumer experience coming into corporate communications. That's the challenges I see that they face. Yeah, yeah. And so podcasting, um, it, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't always popular, but it's super popular now. Right. There's a lot of things yeah. out there. Um, what opportunities exist for organizations that want to explore podcasting as a way to communicate and engage their, their workforce? You know, I think it's, I think it's interesting if you step back and um, I'm a student of history um, and I'm, I'm always one who likes to kind of, you know, go back and look at where we came from um, to understand where we're going. And so I actually, I did a bit of research before, uh, you know, we had the opportunity to chat today and I reached out to a handful of my, my own um, sort of podcasters that I follow and see kind of where their, where their mindset is at and where their head is at. And I got this great quote from um, a friend of mine. His name is Sky King, and he runs a podcast called Curiosity. And it's Curiosity spelled with a C-I-T-Y as in the city. And it actually takes place in two cities. One is Indianapolis and the other is Austin. Um, and this whole podcast that he started was about, was truly about giving voice to help discover parts of, parts of a city that otherwise people might not get to. And I saw he posted on Instagram this morning, and I printed out part of this, and I'd love to share some of this with you and your listeners, because it was so powerful to me, just you think about the history of this stuff. So he says, podcasts are the modern stoa. And stoa um, comes from, um, if you go back to ancient Greece, there was a gentleman named Zeno. He was called Zeno of Cedium, and he used to teach from the stoa. And a stoa is essentially a Greek word for a classical sort of portico. If you think of like a colonnade, what we would call a porch today, right? That's where the word porch comes from, is portico. And so imagine this gentleman, Zeno, kind of standing out on a porch and giving, giving advice and a lot of people listening. And it, and it was this place where he developed this practical philosophy that later turned into stoicism. And so my friend Sky basically says in his comments today, that podcasting has truly changed the culture of, of the U.S. And I would argue, you know, now starting to penetrate around the world. Yeah. And it's, it's changed the culture because we now live in a world where college professors like Jordan Peterson can get millions of people to watch him lecture or debate just because they want to, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you can get young men who may be atheists learning about the Old Testament and then taking in- information they didn't have yeah. to apply to their lives. Yeah. Or you get conservative debating with uh, liberals and having an honest discussion on a podcast and other people hear it and think, wow, this is what civil conversations sound like. Yeah. You think about independent prod- broadcasters like Joe Rogan, right? He's got a team of three people that support him. And his, his downloads are like 190 million. Wow. So if you think about those numbers and the reach and the penetration of getting uh, messages and voices out there. We've not seen this level of attention and reach probably since some of the great orders like Abraham Lincoln uh, in terms of getting the message out there. And so when we think about our daily interactions, whether it's in the world or at work, you know, we have a lot of, there's a lot of kind of scary news out there. And there's a lot of stuff that we get in, we get in bites and pieces. Um, and I would argue that the podcasts have worked because they're truly a representation of, of that, what I call essential thinking. 
Um, and it involves debate, it involves conversation, it involves community, it involves connection. And when the people can listen to things and then ponder, I think they come back to any challenge or, or, or solution with better thoughts. There's yeah. a great book I'm reading called Thinking Fast and Slow. And it's all about that aspect of, you know, if I think about the, the porch analogy, which I love, because when I was growing up, um, the porch was sort of this in-between space, right? It was, there's stuff happening out there and yeah. it's going fast and I can't control it. I'm sitting here on the porch, we're telling stories, and then I'm thinking about what's in here. Mm-hmm. And it's the go-between. So I think podcasts have become kind of this digital and virtual porch, if you will, for the rest of the world. And that's why I think in corporations, they can be so powerful because in your corporation, you're focusing on sort of what's in here, but you're addressing what's out there. And, and this is where I feel my, my, my friend Sky kind of put it so beautifully that uh, the podcasts are the modern stoa. And um, this is where these conversations are taking place. And that's why I feel like it's a, such an opportunity for corporations. Yeah, yeah. So in, in your experience with working with different companies, um, what are some what are some best practices? I know we had a conversation um, prior to this webcast. Let, let's talk about the equipment. Do you need a fancy studio? Sure. Let's talk about that. You you do not need a fancy studio. As I mentioned, a number of these people who have huge followings, um, they all started pretty basic. And I will tell you that the the access to the equipment and communications is so much more uh, attainable these days. Um, you don't need a fancy studio. You could probably get uh, a USB mic. A lot of people use their phones. Yep. It all just depends on the quality of the audio um, experience that you want to get. I would also say that the editing portion, I've taught myself everything I need to learn about running a podcast and leading a podcast by watching YouTube videos. Yeah. Um, the, the, the greatest minds out there share knowledge because they know that knowledge on its own is, is power, but sharing knowledge is powerful, powerful for for you and for others. And so they put all this knowledge out there on LinkedIn learning or lynda.com or YouTube. You can find it out there. Yep. And then, and then essentially what, what I'm talking to you through today is a laptop, right? I do all of my stuff. I edit through GarageBand. Um, you can edit through Audacity on a PC. Really you choose your open source or, um, you know, specific software and you can, you, you too can do this. So it's very attainable. I don't think it's, um, expensive if you if you kind of make the right investments um and then the other thing i would say to people is you know find your comfort zone in um and how you want to go about it what's the sort of what's the area you want to focus on there's no monopoly on topics you go into spotify you go into podcasts on apple you go into google play there is a plethora of topics and the great thing about this space is there's not one expert on one thing that is owning the space the world needs your voice yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So if you're an organization and you're thinking about starting a podcast um, within, mm-hmm. within your company, um, let's, let's talk about the approach, you know? Um, sure. You know, should the approach be top-down in a sense that maybe the CEO or another executive is the one really um, participating in, in the podcast? Or should it be more gra- of a grassroots effort? What, what's your perspective? My perspective is. Um, is probably informed a little bit based on my experience. Um, I would say grassroots or organic is, is better, and that's just based on my experience. So when I came uh, to West Monroe, 
Um, I actually had this idea cooking and cooking my mind for a while. And I, I, I started the idea when I was at University of Washington. How it came about was, as many of your listeners uh, know, when you're dealing with managing change or helping people go through change, it can be pretty um, emotional. And it, there's a key component to it, which is trust. Yeah. And rather than you know, standing up and leading these huge meetings and having people be like, uh, I kind of get it, but I'm not bought in. What I'd always say to people is, hey, let's grab a cup of coffee and let's just talk. So like one-on-one, let's go for a walk, grab a cup of coffee. And at the end of it, that walk or that cup of coffee, they're like, okay, I I see it now. I'm totally on board. And I realized that those conversations were so organic and so vulnerable and so authentic that they were really powerful. And that's where the idea came from for me to start my my podcast, Coffee and Change, which we'll talk about later, um, was imagine if I could capture these conversations between two people in in that sort of safe space and then share it with a wider audience. It could probably help a lot of other people who are going through those um, challenges of change because they might listen to it and say, wow, that sounds a lot like me Mm -hmm. or I'm in the same I'm in the same place. I thought I was alone in this and I'm not alone in it. So that's how mine came about. When it came to Western Row, I said, I have this idea. I want to do it. They celebrate all things entrepreneurship and said, this sounds great. Go do it. So I did it. I got my own stuff. I started it. The great part of this story is that eventually West Monroe said, this stuff is really good. Can we, can we kind of use some of it in our, in our branding or put it up on the blog and maybe put it in a newsletter and share it with some of our clients? I said, sure, absolutely. I'm going to do it regardless. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if you want to use it, please do so. And what we found was that clients and employees, fellow employees, really liked it because it was approachable. It was relatable. It didn't feel really packaged. It didn't feel forced. And I think when you think about CEOs or C-suites and the podcast, you know, sometimes we can get in our own ways. Organizations can get in their own ways and you can be too, you can be too packed with inauthentic stuff and it can seem overproduced. And what I would argue is that the minute, and I listen to a lot of podcasts because I'm a big time consumer of them, which is why I also produce them so I can put back into the ecosystem. The minute it feels inauthentic and not genuine, I'm hitting pause and I'm getting out of it. Um, To me, the the world is moving so fast. um, And so, you know, in such a scattered way, I want something that's going to, that I want to lean into, that's going to give me a little bit of, wow, this person's really going through this as well. I can hear it in their voice. I can tell based on them pausing and thinking about things or not having a prescriptive answer. So I would argue ground up, organic, uh, grassroots is far better. The other thing I would say is then if there are leaders that say, this is really great, I'd like to join it, absolutely join it. Now you but don't lose, yeah. don't, lose the, don't lose the genuine, like bring, welcome to the party, absolutely. Because everybody's got a point of view and a perspective. And I think it would be really powerful if you got a grassroots point of view and, and someone who maybe on a board or an executive to say, this is really interesting. Um, we, we do that a lot here at Western Row. We, we bring people together that, frankly, have different walks of life. And it's because of things like, you know, inclusion and diversity of perspective. And, um, and those, those are when the best ideas come. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You know, so many times within organizations, um, there are so many stories, right? And so many great mm-hmm. conversations that are happening um, all over the place. And, and if you have a podcast and you want to take this grassroots perspective, you have a, a, a way of like kind of gathering 
all of those stories in one place that you can really spread the positive word. Bill, how do you manage risk? You know, like, so, like, <laughs> yeah, it's such a heavy conversation, right? But, like, how do you, how do you manage risk if, if, if you are taking a grassroots perspective? Because, like, let's be honest, right? Like, if an executive is going to participate in a podcast, someone is probably going to assist and provide key messaging and kind of left and right boundaries. But if you're taking the grassroots perspective with the intent to really gather the best stories, um, how do you how do you manage risk? Because someone could always take that podcast episode and post it on LinkedIn or or do mm -hmm. something with it. So, uh, from your perspective, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I think I think it's a it's always a balance. Um, and the thing about risk is you're never done with it. So the minute you think, hey, we figured this out, something has changed in the world. Something has changed, and you you don't have to look too far. I mean, look at cybersecurity. Look at you know some of those threats that are coming. The minute that we think we have it figured out, there's something else out there. Yeah. And so the way that I would approach risk is, you know, some organizations have a chief risk officer. Some have, you said, corporate communications. Some have chief legal officers. I would honestly have a conversation with those people and say, look, there's so much value and knowledge in the storytelling that we want to do. Help us understand the best way we could do it and be mindful about it. Um, we want to protect the brand. We want to be conscious of you know intellectual capital but we also have some really great stories to tell that we think will set us apart in the market or in the industry we'll have people listening to us differently so what's that balance um, and I think if you start that conversation early that's a good thing but for those that frankly have already started the journey in podcasting and they think hey maybe I've done all of this we have to kind of catch 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 that up or before we put it the thing I might explore is actually look at doing things internally before you do things externally. And a great example I can give is two colleagues of mine here at West Monroe started a podcast called This is CX, CX standing for customer experience. That podcast was intended as a knowledge share for internal. The reason being is because we were growing so fast, yeah. bringing on so much new talent, that the ability to onboard people in a unique and memorable way became pretty challenging. So these two people got together and said, let's record a podcast so we can share our thought leadership and our insights and the most amount of new consultants coming in onboarding can listen to it again on their phone yeah. on their commute um, and then they can come into work already ready to ask these more pressing challenging deep thinking questions so their ability to succeed and kind of hit the ground running they're already on it that started off as internal it got to be so popular and so valuable that our organization looked at it and said, we actually think this would benefit a tremendous amount of our clients. So they took it and repurposed it. It's still being done, but it now has an external audience as well. Now I'm sure at some point in between there, there were conversations around what do we say? What do we not say? You can have those conversations, but I would say don't limit the limit, the reach or the success or the potential of those things uh, by taking such a, just sort of a, a, a risk first approach to it. It's definitely part of the conversation. You need to build those partnerships, but let it be a part of the creativity, not, um, you know, not stop the creativity and the connection community. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Bill, um, as I'm, as I'm thinking about this question in my head, I, I kind of hate to ask it the way I have to, but, um, the truth sure. is within organizations, um, a lot of us work in like silo departments, um, like who is who is who's the right department like who should launch this initiative um if if mm -hmm. you know if someone is watching this podcast and they sit in 
operations? Like who should they go speak to? Is it, is it HR? Is it corporate communications? Um, what's your perspective on that? I think it would depend on the industry. Um, every industry is going to be a little bit different, but what I would actually challenge people to look at is if you have a chief innovation officer or you have a chief transformation officer, or you have somebody that whose, whose entire job from when they wake up to when they go to sleep, think about to really think about, yeah, it's to think about disrupting and think about how do we engage our customers differently and think about how do we grow our talent, um, to be, to be the talent of the future. I'd start with that person. Yeah. And then of course that person can always direct you back, right? That person can say, you know what, this is a great conversation we should pull in marketing. This is a great conversation we should pull in corporate communication. I always kind of go from what my dad taught me when I was when I was growing up and applying to jobs back in the day when you used to write letters and send them to organizations, <laughs> right? Um, and he said, you always find you you work really hard to find the person who has the highest in the organization, and you get you get your cover letter, your resume to them, even if it it, it you know even if it they say why did I get this? Because what's the risk, right? They open it up, they say, oh, this is interesting. I'm not sure how this ended up in my inbox. They give it to maybe an assistant, and that assistant walks it down to HR, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that assistant who represents the C the COO or the CIO or the CFO says, hey, this ends up in our our pile. Um, I'm not sure. And, it, and then you end up on the top of the pile as opposed to in, in the, you know, now it's very different today in a digital world, right? If we're all applying online, people turn on the spigot and all the resumes fly out. That's a different challenge you got to find to separate yourself and distinguish yourself. But it's the same, it's the same mindset that I say, you know, start with those people that are, that are literally paid to think big and think different and have a conversation with them and then have them bring in other people to make the right uh, curated approach for success. My my fear is that if it's come in another way, it might it might get lost in the silos. Yeah. And you know, I think every industry is a little bit different. Um, yeah. But people know in their organization. Think about who's talking about this stuff. Think about who's excited about it. Go read your annual report or your um, your strategy report and find out who are the executives that are talking about this in the market, and maybe get them to kind of be a sponsor of it or offer to have them be the first interview yeah right yeah they may love that yeah no you're absolutely you're absolutely right um so we're connecting podcasting with you know trying to enhance a, a digital culture in, you, in your perspective what additional conditions would need to be in place in order for your podcast to be successful because it wouldn't it's, it's not appropriate for every organization and I want to be right. clear, uh, right. clear about that, right? But what are some additional conditions that what that would need to be in place to um, for the podcast to be successful? You know, I think the the big piece here, Brian, is what does success look like to you? So you've got to set your own measures. You've got to set your own. You know, we might say key performance indicators. Um, you know, I think we're in this interesting world right now where uh, clicks and views and likes and you know double tap hearts or whatever like. Those are, those are digital metrics, but I don't know if they tell the story, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I, I, I point more to, to people who run podcasts, and they might have a, maybe a smaller number of community members, but a very engaged community. Yeah. And I tell people, you've got to set that metric, what success looks like for you. So, so 
So in, in the case of somebody starting a podcast, I would argue you want, you want maybe less numbers and more critical feedback, or you want people who are listening and suggesting. So the people that would say, yes, I listened to it, and I think you should interview this person. And that person says, and I think you should interview that person. So this whole word of mouth thing becomes a really powerful part of the ecosystem in podcasting. Um, and to like me, that. that's what I think people should start thinking about is it's not the same old measures that you might expect in sort of a social media world. It can be, if that's your choice. Um, but I would challenge people to think differently about the metrics and, and you know, garner that uh, success might look different, and that's okay. Also reserve the right to always get smarter. I have a mentor of mine who works at IBM. He's been there uh, 30 plus years, and he always says, "I reserve the right to get smarter." I love it. And to me, to me, that's that's a part of this work. Is there's there's no guidebook for this stuff. You know, I mean, there's no answer key for this stuff. Um, so try stuff, learn stuff, and as long as you're growing and your audience is growing with you. That's great. So I, that's the piece I would say is to keep that in mind is what does success look like? Yeah. Yeah. No, Bill, I love that. Right. So I was, as you were talking, I was thinking about um, myself and, and, and change nerd, you know, like um, mm -hmm. we're almost we're getting close to, you know, a thousand members in the community, but my intent right. has really been to keep the numbers small and, and try to get feedback from everyone. Because as you're, you're right, when the feedback will help you understand who your target audience really is, and the information they really need from you, right? So right. I, I love right. that. The same I mean, it comes down to like you were saying, we talked about before, meet people at the point of impact. Like there's nothing better. They will follow you to the ends of the earth if you can anticipate their needs because you're listening to stakeholders and you've got that empathy dialed up and you meet them where they're at or you meet them before the point of impact, they will never forget you. They will say, this podcast, came to me on a Sunday when I needed it most. And now I've told 16 people about it. Yep. Um, now your intention is not to build based on that, but if you go about it in a mindful way and you go about it with authenticity and a little bit of vulnerability, I, I'm telling you, you will get those, you will get those successes because you'll meet the people, you'll meet them at the point of impact. Yep. Yep. No, that's awesome. So, so Bill, we have a question. I'm going to try my best to transition mm -hmm. into the conversation. Shannon, can you hear us? Sure. Yes, I can. Awesome, awesome. It, it, I love it when technology works. Um, so Shannon, yeah. you have a question for Bill? Yeah, I just, um, you know, thinking, I love when you say, you know, most people say, we don't want email. Do something different than email. I think everyone gets that same thing. But, but then when you go to start saying, hey, let's start recording videos or let's do podcasts, mm -hmm. I think there's some resistance there. So just, you know, what are some of the, challenges we face and getting people to move from one space to the other like what are some of the concerns it's a, yeah it's it's a great question Shannon it's a very big um, it's a big challenge and I would say that um, you know we we even as, as, as change folks you know we have to remember that we too are not uh, immune to the feelings of change and so one thing I always try and tell people is imagine somebody came into your house or your kitchen and they moved everything around, right? And they said, you can't use this, you have to start using that, you can't do, you, your, your, your defenses would go up and you'd say, hang on a second, I'm quite, quite familiar with these, these tools and these utensils and I'm gonna make the dinner the way I wanna make the dinner. Um, I try and remind people that anytime we come in and we, we say, you know, use Slack more or use Teams more, use, 
there's going to be that initial resistance. But um, I always see that as an opportunity to get to know, you know, get to know that person a little bit more and help and kind of understand why, uh, why it's giving them a, a sense of anxiety or excitement. Because there are some people that get excited about, hey, there's an opportunity to try something new. The other thing I would say, Shannon, is don't do it to them. Do it with them. So if you've got, if you've got podcasts or you've got videos or whatnot that you're thinking about, bring those people in and say, hey, we're going to storyboard together, or we're going to pilot together, or we're going to um, try this out with a subset of your team, and we would love your feedback. And in my experience, the more that people feel heard as part of these changes, they, they'll go along with you. Um, and, and part of that, is a, a big part of that, I should say, is listening, um, which, which we all know is, is pretty key. I think sometimes in a digital transformation pace and agenda, we sometimes forget about that listening. So I would... I would always challenge leaders to say, do those listening sessions, you know, set up those listening posts, go around, excuse me, and talk to your, talk to your teams and get their thoughts and ideas. They have ideas of what they like in their citizen and consumer life. Find out from them how much of a gap and how ready they are to make that jump. Um, and then the other thing I would say is don't, don't sign up to do everything and don't sign up to do it all at once. Yeah. Um, you know, Take, take a little bit of that agile approach to it. Try things. If it doesn't work, sunset it. It's okay. We learn. Um, and then the other thing I would say is there are people in the organization who are secretly excited about this stuff and would love to work on an internal pilot. Yes. Find a way to get them. Yeah. They, they, will, they will do this stuff for you. Um, does that answer the question a little bit? I know it's a, it's, a big, it's a big question. It's a tough one. There's a lot of clients I work with that are facing this challenge. We've got to get creative about it. Um, and, and to me, it's the more involvement you can get, uh, the, the less that, um, that gap becomes. Yeah, I think that's helpful. Um, what is some of the main resistance, I think, that you see? Within you know, I think it's fear of, um, fear of not knowing how to use the tool um, and fear of messing up. I mean, frankly, you know, a colleague and I uh, yesterday were recording a, a session and, you know, we, we first tried it on Skype, uh, Skype for Business. Yeah, the video worked great. The audio was cutting in and out. Then we moved to Teams, um, and 90% of it worked out great. Then the audio cut out. And so, you know, today, later today, we're going to do a third, a third take of this recording, right? And I could get really frustrated. It's not working and whatnot. Um, I think the whole growth mindset to this has been let's try things. Let's see. Um, we know that's not going to work. We know that maybe we have to be in separate spaces. Technology, as you were saying, Brian, doesn't always um, doesn't always uh, per, uh, cooperate with us. Yeah. Um, so I would say that sometimes people are just so afraid of having to be masters at this stuff. And I would challenge that. You don't have to be a master at it. Um, you just have to be curious enough to try it and then always reserve the right to learn um, and get smarter. And as long as we're all in agreement on that and take a growth mindset, that's a big part of digital transformation that I'm working with my clients. If you take a growth mindset approach to it, we can figure this out. No problem. Um, it's, it's those that feel, you know, when they come to the table, they're already, they're, they're, they're lacking a skill set or they feel intimidated by it. That's the challenge that, um, that I encounter the most. And I tell people, again, nobody's, nobody's an expert at this yet. We're all in this together and we'll, we'll figure it out. So, I think if you make it approachable and you, you leave room for learning and there may be some failure along the way, but 
um, we're going to get smarter, then it becomes uh, a little more achievable and approachable. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Shannon, yeah. thank you so much for, for your question. So, um, so Bill, we're, uh, we're getting to the, to the end of the podcast, uh, or this, this webcast episode. Um, this yeah. time is flying by, like, <laughs> yeah, I know it's flying by. I want to be mindful of your schedule. Um, what's the, what's the one thing you would want someone to take away from this conversation? So we talked about a number of different things Yeah, had to kind of boil the advice to, um, to one point, what would it be? You know, I would tell people, get your voice out there. Um, I will tell you right now that as someone who um, consumes a lot of podcasts and I, as I mentioned, I want to, I produce to put back into the ecosystem. This, this medium has benefited my life so much. If I think back to the 2005 onward, um, there are insights, there are career changes, there are conversations that I've had that have stemmed off of other people sharing their point of view, their perspectives. There are people that I've never met in this world, but I know their voice because their voice is in my head every week. Um, you know, I think even, for example, a couple of weeks ago, I was in Minneapolis, and one of my favorite podcasts I listen to weekly is called On Being, B-E-I-N-G. Um, and the team that, that I've been following them for years, and the host, Krista Tippett, is just a great, uh, you know, she's a great voice and a great mind in this space. And when I was in Minneapolis, I made a point to go to the offices of where this podcast is recorded. And I was hoping I could go and meet the team and just say thank you, because I've been listening to them for 14 years. And now the offices were closed. It was a Saturday. Everybody has a right to have their weekend. And, but, I took, but I took a picture of, of myself outside the office, and I sent it to them. And I said, I just need you all to know that even though I didn't get to meet you, it was a big deal for me to go and see where all the magic happens because it's a big part of my life. And so my point that I would say to people, the takeaway is the world needs your voice, yep. your point of view and your perspective um, is needed. Um, if we think about this as a platform for inclusion and diversity, if we think about this as a platform for creativity, for disruption, for ideas, there are so many voices that are unheard out there. And I think that's one of the values for organizations is this becomes a platform for storytelling. And yep. those that tell the stories can make the connection. Those that make the connection can create community. And if you can create community, it doesn't matter what you're looking for. Are you looking for connection or customers? You've got it. Like yep. they'll come to you. Yep. So I would say, spend some time, find your voice, try it out again, set your measures of success in terms of whether it's two people that listen to you or 2 million people that listen to you. Um, it's yeah. Use this. It's out there. Um, the world needs your voice. And I encourage people to find their voice and put it out there. I'd certainly, I'd certainly love to hear it. Awesome. 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 All right. So Bill, thank you so much for taking time with your schedule to have this conversation. And um, again, you know, thank you for all your support. Uh, and change nerd. I appreciate all of our conversations, um, and I look forward to absolutely with you as well. All right, so this concludes the the webcast.